In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with a superstar dad. I'm here with a Scottish Hammers dad. Colin, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Nice to see you. Mate, it's good to uh, finally meet. We've been uh, talking online and, uh, mate, I saw you fly a plane over the first Energy Stadium. Mate, I've got to ask straight away, how was that experience? Yeah, it, it was once in a lifetime. Um, incredible. One of the guys, uh, Lieutenant Commander Doobie, he had the ball rolling for some time and uh, didn't tell me until he started to get all the, uh, confirm all the requests for it. So he was super excited. He played college football at Dickinson in Pennsylvania. Um, and when he told me, I just couldn't believe it. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's like a dream come true. You just can't, you just, you just, it's hard to describe it. You're looking down out of the, the flight deck and you hear the crowd from the aircraft. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I heard the cheer as we flew over, and I heard the cheer when the anthem finished. Oh, awesome, mate. That's, a, that's absolutely awesome, because I think I saw a GoPro video of you um, flying it over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like... One of the guys, uh, there was GoPro at the front, the GoPro at the side, there was uh, cameras and stuff. We just didn't want to miss any of it, you know, because it's yeah. not one of these things you're going to do every week. <laughs> No worries. And uh, emotions, what were the emotions going through you at the time? Yeah, just, I was just, um, I guess I think it's more af- afterwards and before, maybe when I saw Jamie on the field before we walked, that felt quite emotional because you're excited. He's there in his suit, I'm in my uniform, and you're thinking, like, not very long, he's going to be suited up for the Browns, and I'm going to be finally on top of him. And, the, the thought of that, yeah, that gets you a little bit emotional. And then seeing him afterwards as well, uh, with all the guys from the squadron, you know, he spent some time with them in the Flying Monkey, of course. Um, yeah, it was awesome. So you're based in is it Mar- 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 Lane? How do you say it? Maryland. Maryland. Mar- and uh, where, where did the plane actually come from? It, it comes from Southern Maryland, a base called the Tuxent River. So, um, it fl- so it flew all the way from there, landed in... Cleveland, because obviously you were there before in the stadium. Yep, we landed the day, late the day before. I actually drove up on uh, the Thursday night so that I could just get a few things organized before the crew arrived. Uh, got to speak to Brian Zybel from Zybel Apparel, that does a Scotch Hammer shirt and stuff. Yeah. Uh, super nice guy. And um, yeah, got to uh, do an interview with the Browns on Saturday and then meet the aircraft and that landed after that. So. Got you. And then what airport did you take off around Cleveland? Was it um, Hopkins uh, or a private one? Or? It was right next door to the uh, uh, stadium. Oh, we, cool. Yeah, we walked there uh, from the stadium to the airport. It's so close. It's like, yeah, okay. Walk, you know. what's, the, what's the airport like? Because as a uh, non-local, it looks really small. So is it a short runway? or? It's quite short. It, it's a runway that 
we can land and take off on. But if we wanted to do rollers, like stop and stop and go kind of thing, it's not long enough for that. Okay. So it's like you're getting in and you're getting out, and, uh, and that's a good idea. But it makes it great because you're not like when we were ready to go, we could just we could just go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Mate, the timing must be absolutely insane to get it correct because you need to c- come just over it as the national anthem is finishing. So, like, how did it work? You took off, you floated around for a bit, and then when you got the call, you suddenly made your approach. And, yeah, talk us through. Yeah, so uh, the pilots had planned uh, a hold just uh, east by about seven and a half miles. And... Uh, they were trying to hit the timings for like two minutes before we start, two minutes before that, two minutes before that, just to keep running and hitting the start point, hitting the start point. And that the difficulty of it was you have to start your running one minute before the national anthem begins. So you're, you're committed. So if for some reason the anthem delays a few seconds or is early, then you've got to make some pretty hasty adjustments on the way in and you're effectively committed and you can adjust the throttle a little bit. That's only going to get you a few seconds. And we're listening to the, the, uh, the anthem over the radios with our spotter on the ground, big black. Um, so we could hear it, but it, it was hard to judge. And uh, even I was watching the stadium go underneath us and I was thinking, I you know, <laughs> sure we got that right. But I hope we did. <laughs> and uh, tell us what did, um, what did uh, your son Jamie say uh, about it all? Like before, was he emotional? Was he excited? Was he proud? You know what was going through his head? He was. He was. Uh, he was excited. Maybe a little, a little bit proud. He always thinks that the military, anarchist, fortunately, has allowed him some opportunities he might not ordinarily have got. You know. Um, you know. So we've travelled a little bit, Scotland to uh, to England few times he's been in a lot of schools and eventually took us to America and then you know here he is now kind of living the dream so he's uh he's pretty proud of that and you know he loves the fact that he's had his opportunities for the military so he, he was looking forward to it and he got to see the aircraft and the crew he came to join me when they landed so he's not really been up close to a P8 before so he loved having a little look at it. Hang on a minute so that was the day before when you landed? Of, yeah. Of, yeah yeah okay cool. Yes, okay. he came. He came down to meet the crew and everything. And now, that. now, Colin, this is the chance to tell the whole world: Did anything not go to plan on day? Uh, <laughs> I should say that we did. We did have a problem with the aircraft. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when we got out there, it uh, yeah, it, it, there was a just an error light that, that it's oh. and but we couldn't take off with it. So there was there was about fifteen minutes of panic. And wow. We got the maintainers back and it, it, yeah, it was something straightforward. Basically, uh, shot a few things off and back on again and we're good. But that delayed us about 25 minutes. So, yeah. Did you have sweaty armpits at the time, panicking? Uh, the... <laughs> yeah, I, was sweat. I was thinking, we can't miss this. You know, there's such an opportunity. It's terrible if something went wrong. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the nature of the beast sometimes when you deal with aircraft. How low can you go, or how close to the stadium can you go, like legally or laws, well, for a flyover? Uh, I'm talking for the pilots now, but uh, I think it's about a thousand feet above the highest obstacle. Yeah, okay. That's close. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, not as close as 
like helicopters, fast jets, uh, big C-130 flyover is on YouTube. That's a lot, uh, that's pretty cool. They went all the road. So yeah, we're kind of a little bit more rest restrictive, but um, you know, the guys would love to have done something a bit lower and a bit faster, but it's just not worth it. <laughs> it's stuck to the regulations. And um, like, you you banked over to one side, right? Was that always planned, or? Yep. Yeah, it was to come over the southeast corner into a bank uh, to take us out of the northwest and then uh, level out and then sort ourselves out and then come in and land. We landed just five minutes afterwards. Yeah. All right. Now, let me ask a little bit about yourself. So, um, if I'm correct, part of the RAF is that correct? Right. Yeah. And uh, you've got a British um, badge on your shoulder. So is that because you work for the, um, obviously, the, the British side? Or do you work for the American side? Or how does that work? I'm Royal Air Force. Uh, I'm kind of seconded to the US Navy. Got uh, you. Under our exchange program, so an exchange officer. So I'm treated like a US Navy active duty uh, officer. But uh, yeah, we always wear the, the Union Jack on our sleeves, and the uh, the Americans wear the Stars and Stripes, and uh, we have uh, Canadians who have our own Navy and Norwegians on the squadron too. So yeah, we wear our home flags. But they they provide me with the uh, white suit and the jacket, so it's almost like half, half dressed half half UK and half American. Yeah, so I've got a uh, badge that I put on my arm, and it's British. Uh, and I wear an, a 1990s brown starter jacket. And I told um, Jamie that I'll get him uh, one as well. He, but he said he wants a Scottish badge on the side. And I was like, I don't know about that, mate. It's like, it's either British or, or, or not. But we would imagine our son's dreams to be playing for Scotland or England, mm -hmm. you know, playing rugby. And he's playing American football, you know, how, how do you feel about him playing American football and uh, a bit of British humour now, um, not playing rugby? Yeah, yeah I mean, um, he, was a, he was a very good rugby player. Um, I coached him for a number of years and then he kind of stepped up uh, to different schools and better teams and he was progressing nicely, um, but he didn't, initially the exposure for him out here wasn't going to be what he could have had back in the UK. Um, but the, the drift into uh, football, American football, was almost accidental at, at high school. I mean, you know the story probably yourself. But I think ultimately, when your 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 kid's fortunate enough to get to university and graduate, then you're pretty happy with that. So he got his degree at the start of this year, and then you want your kid to to get a good job, you know. Um, but for your kid to to get the dream job. Uh, is just you just can't imagine that. That's just fantastic. Because you know a lot of us drift into like, military, insurance, banking, you know, plumbing or trades, whatever. We all go off and there's all these kind of what we consider normal jobs. Uh, being in the NFL is something I don't think any of us would ever imagine doing. And then to have him do that is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, mate. It's uh, his story. I don't know if. You know this as well, but his story to an American, you could make a film about. You know, <laughs> so, no, seriously, because 
everything's been against him to become an NFL player. You know, he hasn't got the same background and roots as all as maybe anyone in the NFL. You know, he's come through as a real outsider and been, let's say, lucky, you know, and things have gone his way. And, you know, as a Browns fan, you know, we didn't think he was going to get the job, you know. We thought that Colquitt was, you know, pro bowler. And we were all expecting, you know, it's been a nice story. But thanks, you know, and maybe next year he gets signed by another NFL team. You know, that's that's how we realistically thought it. So um, when we, as a Browns fan and we heard that, wow, they've gone with uh, Scottish Hammer, we was like, okay, well, let's back him. And uh, it's saving us a little bit of money. But no one expected then him to have the season he's had. I think he had one bad punt last week. I think it was last week. But otherwise, he's been player of the week, player of the month, special teams. And I've been texting him saying, mate, you understand there's a good chance you're going to be a Pro Bowl this year. And I don't think it's sunk in yet. But I think it is now that he's one of the favourites to become a a punter Pro Bowl this year. So if that happens, it would be dream, absolute dream uh, material. It would be, and you know, you're right. It was, um, it's quite incredible. And Brent, I didn't know anything about Brent Colquitt uh, or the Browns. Uh, I've heard of the general manager, John Dorsey, because a local boy uh, played rugby with his brother a few times. But um, you might think it was when you saw when you saw him against Colquitt. I think you know you either maintain the Browns or you build the Browns. And I think, you know, if you're going to really take a team forward, you've got to, they almost got to take a little risk. Um, and, and I was really glad they did. You know, they, they took a, not necessarily a risk on Jamie, but the safe thing would have been to stick with the old. Yeah, of course. Alquit is going to hit those corners and, and leave the uh, special teams and stuff. But they uh, they went with the young kid with the big leg. And I, I think that's a good testament for where the team wants to be going. You know. The special teams coach, Pfeiffer, he's also got ex-military, if I'm correct. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think he did four years, uh, and he was on helicopters. I don't know if it, he was H. I think it was H, no, it was H sixty or S sixty. But yeah, he did four years. Um, he said um, that he was his interest was was always in football and, and tactics and coaching. And when he was on short, oh, I was see he, he just immersed himself in books and, and publications on it. He really. He really loves it, so hence I guess he drifted into coaching and he is where he is now, you know. A uh, question I've got to ask you is, I hear you used to be an Eagles fan. <laughs> is right. that true? Yeah, that's true, that's true, yeah. So my next question is going to be, next year, Browns versus the Eagles in the Super Bowl, who do you want to win? Oh, I'd have to be Browns if Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's putting for the Browns, yeah. All right, here we go. I'm going to make a massive twist now. For whatever reason, Jamie's not with the Browns next year, and it's Browns-Eagles in the Super Bowl. Who are you going to pick? Oh, well, oh no, no, after the Eagles and next year. Oh, come on, Colin. I was, I was going to hope that we cut your uh, wrist and you're now brown and orange blood. So well, He's uh, not through his rookie season yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, brilliant. No, that was, was a tough uh, question. Yeah, sorry, Colin. I'll put you under pressure there. And, um, <laughs> did you notice in the 
Browns-Steelers game in the first Energy Stadium, I believe you were there, there was a Scottish flag going up every time the hammer was punting. Did you see that in the stadium? Actually, I didn't notice that. I'm so gutted I didn't get the photo of it because um, there was a Scottish flag that I saw going up every time he punted. So I'm guessing I met a guy before the game who was in a kilt. And Colin, you're going to be upset about this. He did have his pants on, and I'll translate that for our American listeners. He had his underwear on. And I was like, come on, you're, you're Scottish. You know, you should be fully uh, naked under there. But yeah, said, yeah, maybe, it was, yeah. may, maybe it was maybe it was him, um, this, this person was. Because um, yeah. I, I text Jamie, and uh, weirdly, he used to play rugby after Jamie at the Highlands. The Highlands Club, is it? Or, um, so you might have met uh, Ross, his friend. Definitely wasn't his friend because I um, I sent a message to Jamie and yeah, then Jamie came back and told me that, um, yeah, obviously he played at the same club as him. So uh, and he didn't know who he was. Interesting. And he had a number seven brown shirt on, did he? No, he just had a, uh, he just had a normal, um, he just had a normal uh, uh, jersey on, but he, he did have the... Um, the, the kilt, which was obviously a, a straight giveaway. And when I started speaking to him, it was quite clear he was um, Scottish. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm forgetting now because the Steelers game, that's the one in Pittsburgh you're talking about. No, I'm talking the one in, in, in Cleveland. All oh, right, all right. Yeah, because, um, yeah, he, um, he went to, um, yeah, he played, he played for, um, yeah, he played for the Highland team. And Jamie mentioned he went to Culloden Academy and then he went to Highland. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Academy is right next to our house. And in British humour, he joked, he said that um, Highland's doing a lot better without Jamie now because they've won <laughs> it, I think. That sounds like traditional rugby bands right there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, when you played... Uh, did you ever play American football or did you play rugby? No, I didn't. But the funny, you say that when I was playing rugby in Edinburgh, I was really young. I tried out for a team, I think they're called Edinburgh Phoenix. And my friend, we're both wingers, and we went down to practice. They had an American coach who made us run some lines and we caught the ball. And he said that he could use us if we were interested. And then he told us we had to buy all of our pads and helmets and everything. <laughs> I couldn't afford it, so I didn't go back. So uh, that was the one and only time I had a little go in that football. Yeah. All right, Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Nice talking I look, you. I look, I look forward to meeting you finally somewhere. Maybe you're definitely going to be at the Ravens game. Is that correct? Definitely Ravens. Uh, Ravens, sorry. And uh, we're looking at the Bengals. We've got um, a few friends that are going to the Bengals. Um, so we may we may head out there and try and catch them. So it's all a bit that you know, Christmas New Year period is all up in the air now. But yeah. Yeah. We'll, okay. And we'll catch any plans to come to London or England soon? Um, hopefully in the New Year. Jamie hasn't been over for oh, four years nearly. So yeah. I think we're trying to plan a visit where we can all get across and kind of catch up with the family. Because really, Jamie should be called the English Hammer because he was born in England. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I was based uh, yeah, Bramwell then. Bramwell, yeah. Yeah, Lincolnshire. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Great. And um, yeah, I look forward to finally meeting you. And uh, there is a drink in Arizona actually called the Kilt Lifter. I don't know if you ever heard of this. I've tried it. It's a well, I've tried the beer, the Kilt Lifter. Yeah. Yeah. I've also as a hot sauce called the Kilt Lifter as well. I used to, really. I used to carry it in my uh, planning bag when I used to fly. We used to we used to put drops of uh, spicy Kilt Lifter on our food. I actually, and actually, uh, I, I just bought a beer. I think my wife just took the last one. A Great Lakes beer. Yes. Um, it's called uh, Inverness. Is it? Yeah, it's a Scotch ale. I found it in one of the VP garages when I was driving out. Oh. Cause one of the guys here asked me to bring back the Christmas ale, and I saw the uh, Inverness. So we tried that. It's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. All right, Colin. Right, we'll look. We need a win on Sunday, so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's not out there punting too much. And if he does, he hits the corner. So, uh, Colin, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, I really look forward to meeting you face to face, and uh, we can uh, finally have that uh, beer. Yeah, great talking to you. And, uh, Cheers, Colin. You take care, buddy. Uh, Colin, where can actually people find your details? My details. Are you on Twitter? And yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um... I'm not very active on Twitter, <laughs> so I usually just uh, talk through it. Oh, mate, I'll tweet it afterwards. But Colin, thanks so much for your time and uh, go Browns. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs>